this week I actually understood one thing and one thing only. God is in control. He's working in me. He's working through me. And hopefully he's working with me. And even when I don't understand what is happening, right, I know he is working. And that everything has happened to me, everything that does happen has been done to glorify him. It's been done for a reason. Sometimes it's in order for me to lose something. Sometimes it's in order for me to gain something. Sometimes it's in order to change how I respond. But everything has a purpose. And I've got to believe in my heart, in my, my soul, in my very being that there are better things that are coming. And God is working for the good of the kingdom. Sometimes what happens in the most terrible things that happen, we should actually get to the point of saying, that's a good thing. Because it means I have more time. And I have mean more time to pray. I have more time to do this. I have more time to do that. Maybe perhaps the doctor, well not that doctor, but the, the surgeon that was on or the nurse that was on wasn't the right one. Perhaps there was going to be a mistake that was going to be made. Right? Perhaps, just perhaps, the power was going to go out on Sunday morning. Right? Not that the team couldn't handle it, but you know, perhaps. Perhaps something major was going to happen. God didn't want me in that situation. It's like when, you, when you're in a hurry to go to place, right? And you're on time restraints. What happens? You get every red light. You're running late, every red light. Perhaps God is working for you and not against you. Perhaps what is actually taking place is God is looking ahead of what's happening. Perhaps if he gave you the green lights, perhaps it was going to be an accident because you were in the wrong time in the wrong place. Perhaps. And so we can't live in perhapses, right? We can only live in our reality of the right here and right now. Unfortunately, disappointments, when they're not handled correctly, can actually become disabling. See, my disappointments, right, and you need to understand that disappointment actually breaks down to a couple of words, and we work off the first word, dis, which actually means to undo. So if you see the word disappointment, it means to undo the appointment, right? And sometimes what happens is when we don't handle our disappointments, what it does is it undoes our appointment of what God actually wants to do. What God wants to do in your life, what God wants to take away, what God wants to give you, and what God wants to flow through you, what God wants to bless you with, we don't understand, right? Because we don't get to know all the answers. We just got to walk this road out and we got to trust him. But disappointment can be our disability. And when we can't handle disappointment, when we can't handle what's happened to us properly, when we lose it, and I've seen that, I've been in the hospital, just, oh, this was just after COVID, when they were doing the COVID testing, and this lady was bumped because of COVID, apparently she came back uh, positive or whatever else, and she lost it, right? She lost it, she was not happy at all, right? And I totally get that. There's so much that you go into and that you mentally prepare yourself to go through an operation. You even don't eat stuff beforehand in order, you know, don't drink in order to be in the right frame of fasting for those sort of things, right? I even had a special blood test um, on the Monday beforehand that I now have to get done again because that only lasts two to three weeks, and that's a special one because there's a high chance of me having to have a blood transfusion. That, anyway, blah, 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 blah. 
And so there's, there's so many different things that you can get disappointment, disappointed over and worked up over and see the negative things in. But you've got to understand that our disappointment can be our disability. The difference between someone who is in the water drowning and the rescuer, right, or the person who goes in to rescue them, is the attitude they enter the water with. If you are a rescuer, the attitude you enter the water is completely different to someone who is now drowning. It's the same thing with firemen. When everyone is running out of the building, firemen are running into the building. It's a different attitude. And the difference between someone who reacts and there is someone who responds is the attitude they view the situation from, the attitude they enter into it with. So you and I, we actually come from a place of victory. And even though we may not understand that, even though it may not make sense to us, even though the situation might be completely different to it, we come from a place of victory. And we, are, we desperately need to understand that place. This place of victory, this, this understanding of victory, needs to become our perspective. Because it becomes vital to how we respond. And I'm going to make sense of this in a moment. You and I, we come from a place of victory. Not because of the victory that we have won, but because of the victory that we have through Christ Jesus. The victory that has been obtained for us through what Jesus did for us. We have been purchased with the blood of the Lamb. And you need to understand that God does not deal with returns. Right? This is not a lay-by system. This is not a good enough system. This is not a faulty system. There is no such things as returns in the kingdom of God. The difference of how we respond to any situation given is the driver from our attitude that we have. And our attitude is greatly determined by our perspective or our place of revelation. Jesus already won the day. Jesus won the day every single day. There is no victory to be had other than what he's already had. It's already been done. And our position, I've talked about this earlier this year, right? So we have a position in Christ. This is a position that I have obtained, not by my own merits, not by anything else, but by grace. And how the Father now views me through this position is holy, is whole, is complete, right? Is sinless. God looks at me through the blood of the Lamb and he sees me sinless. At the same time that I have a position in Christ, I also have a condition. And my condition is sinless, sinfulness, right? My condition is my flesh. My condition is my, the wrong things that I do. So I have a position and I have a condition. My position is actually a place of victory. My position is a place where I stand in Christ Jesus knowing that he's already won the day and that I don't need to fight. And then there's another position or another concept that we need to grab hold. Down the track, when we all go to glory, 
We have the promise that God has given to us that we will obtain, move into eternal life. So we have a position in Christ Jesus in victory and we have an ending which is eternal life with him. We will live forever, if we can even grasp the concept of that, eternity with him. We have been purchased completely for that journey. So everything that happens between that position or my point of salvation or where I exist currently at this moment and my eternity, everything in between has purpose. Everything. Each and every one of us are on the same journey, although they look different, very different. But the whole process, the whole journey, right, God has it. And what God's actually trying to do is he's trying to give you things, remove things, grow, mature you, and develop you in order to walk as close as you can to the end. Now, the kingdom of God is at hand because what God is trying to do is give his kingdom to you now, but in order for us to have it or to obtain it, we need to lose some things. We need to gain some things. So everything that God is doing right now through every situation, circumstances, every obstacle and adversity, what he's trying to do is get you into a place to obtain what he's already given you. See, we live in time. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. He does not. He lives outside of time, so he sees the beginning and he sees the end and he sees everything in between all at once. We live in chronos, which is the word for time, which is the word we get with chronos or chronological, which is the word we use for time in in our watch. We live in time. Tick-tock, tick-tock, days, weeks, months, years. But he sees the beginning and he sees the end. He's seen your eternity. He's seen your point of salvation. He's seen your conception. He's seen how he thought about you and how he designed you. He sees every point on that journey to eternity, past and present. And the same time what he's doing is he's working in you, through you, and with you in all different circumstances and situations that come about by your hand and by his not every obstacle and adversity is he is the author of, but doesn't change the fact that he can still move in those areas to bring about his good. And his good is about bringing his kingdom to earth through us. That's not the right one. And it says in Romans 8.28, I've got the right one. And we know... That God causes all things, not some things, not the things we want, not the things we don't like. He says all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. You and I are called. You and I have been called. Every person on this earth has been called. And everything that happened to you and everything that does happen to you is for a purpose because God is bringing you to a place for you to get the kingdom of God here on earth. He worked on you before salvation. He's working in those who are pre-salvation. He's working in those people who are post-salvation. He's working in every single person. If you sat there and actually had a look at God's plan, if he showed you everything that he did in your life to get you to a point of salvation, you might be shocked at how much he is moving. 
You might be shocked at how much he is moving today. You might be shocked in how much he's going to move tomorrow. You might be shocked in all the things he does. And just because we can't see his manifested presence do something mightily right here, right now, it does not change the fact that God is moving. God is always moving. And we can miss it because we don't understand it. We don't know why things happen. But we need to trust and believe that he has a bigger purpose for us. And when Paul writes this passage of Scripture, he says, and we know. We know. That's the place we're supposed to get to. The fact that we know that God causes all things to work for his good. We know that. So when we go through those trials, we know. I don't like this. This is not uncomfortable. This is not my desire. This is not my plan. But I know that God is working. I don't know what he's doing. I don't. I've got to trust. Right? There could be a million different reasons why they didn't operate on Friday. And there could be a million different reasons why it got moved to the 22nd. And there could be a million different reasons why they postponed it again. But this journey that I've been on for almost eight years, the ups, the downs, the curveballs, the lefts and the rights, the disappointments and the processes, having to deal with my emotions, having to deal with my, my uh, whatever you want to call them, all the different things that come out. And trust me, they did, especially in the early days, Right? And the thought processes and how you've got to process things and how you get mentally prepared and then how you let God have his way in a situation in order to bring about his good. Like I'm not the same person. Am I, darling? We won't go any further. Do you know how hard it is to live with perfection? No, we won't go there anyway. I always do that because it's just fun, darling. We've got to understand that we are not in control. We're not. And the only thing we control is our response. How we respond to a situation. Am I going to be negative or am I going to be positive? Am I going to look at it as an opportunity or am I going to go, man, man, man. Like it would have been so easy, so easy like in those early days, to quit. It would have been so easy to say, nah, can't do this anymore. Right? And honestly, there probably would have been a pile of people who would have totally understood and said, yep, yeah, you're in total, that's okay. Where's the fun in that? Where's the fun in seeing what God can do? Because if you don't learn to step out and trust him, you will never see God do what he needs to do. Never. In First Peter 5.10 it says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Look, I, I hate to break it to you, right? Once you become a Christian, once you become born again, once you become a, a disciple of Jesus, whatever you want to call yourself, right? You will suffer. 
there will be things that will happen to you that are just unfair. Some of those things will happen to us because of the sinfulness of humanity. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look out into the world, look at how much corruption there is. Look how much all the bad things that are happening. Look at all the silly things to decision. I mean, what our kids are dealing with now is just insane. Right? Is insane. And what they're doing behind closed doors and what they're making, what they're trying to push as the people's agenda is insanity. Right? It's not helpful to, to society. It's not helpful to anything. Right? And we will suffer. I mean, when sin entered this world, death followed. And that death that is talked about is not talking about a physical death, even though you and I will have a lifespan. Right? It's talking about death of relationship. When sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, death followed. And that death was a separation of relationship. And it's only through Jesus Christ that that relationship was then joined, connected. But then you still have to choose to want to have that relationship with God or through Christ to God. And you and I both know, we all know, that the majority of the world does not choose that way. They choose their own way. Why? Sinfulness. I mean, God is a God of grace. And the only person that could ever... I mean, I would not even think like this. right? And humanity does not even remotely even think about this. Oh, you know what? What about if Billy Joe dies and then everyone else is saved? Let's do that. No one thinks like that. God is this gracious God who looks out to his, his creation and sees hope and he sees, I have this opportunity to reconnect with them. And, and Jesus Christ came and he died for us so his blood could spill, so we could be purchased from death into life. And so we could have a position in Christ and we could have the hope of eternal glory and that we could actually live a life where everything is a process bringing his kingdom to this earth through us. And through all our disasters and all our problems and all through our circumstances and everything that could possibly go wrong, God is using it. And the more we surrender to those situations and let him in and let him work in us and do what he needs to do, God's glory comes about. Like these last eight, or I say eight years, it's eight years in April. There's been some hard ones, haven't there? Right? There's been a lot of things we've gone through. They've been unfair. We didn't do anything to deserve this. My life, I wouldn't even categorize my life before Christ as that bad to deserve this. Right? And it's not my, my position to go, it's not fair. Why did I get this? I don't deserve this. We come out to start a church. I'm a pastor. Aren't I supposed to get good things? Nope. Right? We don't know what's coming. We don't know how God's using this. We don't. We don't understand the process. We don't understand it. I hope to get, I'm hoping that one day when I step into glory or even before glory, it'll make sense. Right? Ah, oh, that's why I got. Can you let me know? And he's like, no. Because I need you to trust me. I need you to walk through it. In faith, I need you to understand that everything that takes place, you just got to lean on me. 
Because that's why he's our refuge and our strength. That's why. That's why he causes all things to work for his good. Right? And if we go back to that passage of Scripture, and after you've suffered a while, the God of grace who called you to eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I mean, that word perfect has so much meaning to it. Our trials make the believer better. God supplies our needed elements to the Christian character that makes us spiritually mature. Do you not understand that? I mean, it's like shaping clay. If you've never worked with clay, it's fun. I remember doing it when I was at high school back in those years, many, many moons ago. I did art. I was very creative in those sort of things. And we did clay work and we had to shape clay. And you learn really quickly there's parts you take away and there's parts you move and there's parts you add to it. And the best way or the easiest way to make that clay moldable is water. And you put water in, you put more water in, you fo- and you, I don't know, you do all the bits and pieces. You diff- use different tools. And that's how you shape it. But in order to shape it, that's how you go through the process. You stick things in, you cut things off. Why? Because God's trying to make you perfect. Even though you have already obtained it, through our position in Christ, God is still working in you in order to bring you about perfection. That second word that plays up is the word confirm. Our suffering makes Christians more stable. It enables us, when we have gone through trials and we still glorify Him, to make good confession. To bear up under pressure. Jesus confirms in us through our trials. Now I know that most ladies will have that little thing on their ring that sparkles, right? The diamonds. And who doesn't love a good diamond, darling, right? You'd love more and bigger ones, right? But diamonds are formed through immense pressure. Immense pressure and time. I mean, they now create ones like stimulated, uh, simulated diamonds, right, where they create them under pressure and time. But even when you look under a microscope, you can see the difference. You can tell that that is a man-made diamond and that is a natural diamond. But the only way to get the worth out of the diamond is pressure and time. Adversity, challenges afflictions, pressure, and time. Because what's deemed valuable, what gives it credibility, is its ability to endure. I mean, that word confirm means to strengthen. What God's trying to do is He is trying to strengthen you. Strengthen you under pressure and time. The third word is literally the word, well, in the English it's strengthen. This word gets a bit confusing when you start reading the Bible, right? But that word strengthen actually means to endure. The word confirm means to strengthen, and the word strengthen means to endure. 
Satan, which actually is the word that we use as accuser, right, comes along and he wants to persecute us. He wants to come in and bring us temptations and bring us to a point where we fall into sin. He wears down believers, right? He constantly brings back the same old thing. He will remind you of your past a million times and a million times and a million times, trying to get you to a point and understanding that your position in Christ is pointless because your condition, your condition isn't as strong as your position. But he comes and he constantly will tell you, condition, condition, condition. You are sinful. You are sinful. You're sinful. Oh, look, you've made a mistake again. Oh, you had a negative thought. Oh, you did this. Oh, you did this. Like the enemy is trying to get you to do stuff. He can't touch you. He can't make you do anything. He can only tempt you. But for a Christian who goes through adversity, who invites Christ, who invites the Holy Spirit to strengthen them, right? To, so they can endure. It has the opposite effect. It strengthens us. It gives us more. It fortifies us. Because when you begin to understand that Jesus is for you, and the Holy Spirit works in you, and that His dynamis power is there to enable you to get through all your adversities, all your ob- obstacles... It strengthens you because it encourages you. And you go, yeah, come at me. Come at me. I got you. You can look at my adversities. You can look at my obstacles and see my weaknesses. But then you're not looking at how big my God is who's standing right behind me. Because he's bigger. I mean, we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit to endure all that is before us. And that fourth word in there is the word establish. It's a verb. It's an action word. It's a doing word. It's related to the word foundation. And it's the original God wants every believer to be firmly planted in a secure place in his son, in his word. So that we can endure. So we can go through. Because we know What's to come? That we have a future hope. See, the only reason why I'm enduring this, the only reason that encouraged me to keep going, is because I know that this life is but a vapor. It'll flash past me in a moment. Because I know what's coming. I've got eternity promised. I've got eternity in my hopes. And I can dream and I can believe and I can hope and whatever. Because I know that whatever happens on this earth is only going to be for a moment. And I get to spend eternity with Him. And I don't have to worry about anything that happens on this earth. And so anything that happens on this earth becomes about purpose in my life for reaching out to those people who need him or being a greater example or being the light to those who need someone to stand that's a mouthful and when you have a different perspective of the process that God brings you through you begin to understand that what we actually have is we actually have a glorious call I mean we're called We're called by God for a greater purpose. We're called to be his witnesses, to be his ambassadors. I mean, he calls us his workmanship. He calls us his beloved. We are called. We are called. 
And we're not called just to suffer for suffering's sake. We're not called for pity's sake. We're not called because we're not good enough. We're called because God believes in you. We're called because God doesn't just believe in you. He then gives you the empowerment of his Holy Spirit to get you through. He gives you the ability to be his witnesses. He gives you ability to be his light. He gives you the power source to light this light. So when you're standing through your obstacles and you don't know what else to do, look up. Turn to the word. God, I don't know what to do. I've got no idea. This is bigger than me. This is not fair. This is not right. This person's done the wrong thing against me. But all I know is you are bigger. You can take a situation and you can transform it. You can take me and transform it. But oftentimes what God does is he enables us to actually get through the process because on the other side of the process we are strengthened. And he confirms us. And there is a bigger purpose to it all. But in our suffering, we don't like it because it's uncomfortable. And we don't like things that are uncomfortable. So my challenge is you is go do the things that are uncomfortable. Go find something that is just uncomfortable. Shake your very cool. I have a couple of things that I do. It's uncomfortable. They're not fun. But I do them just for the sake of doing them because I need to teach myself to be uncomfortable. Right? I've spent so much time in my Christianity of just walking through process of fasting. I hate fasting. I hate giving up food. I hate going through times where my, when I am hungry and I sit at the table and my family's eating and I'm hungry. But I'm not doing it because I want to satisfy my flesh. I want to, I want to crucify, my, crucify my flesh. The very thing that I need to kill is the very thing that I'm trying to kill. And that is the very thing that does not want me to keep going. It's the very thing that wants me to stay in this place and just whinge. That's my flesh. And my flesh is temporary. My flesh has no longevity. The Bible says, The dust that you came and dust you will return. My flesh will die. My flesh, well, I want to be cremated. So be cremated and spread over everybody. It has no longevity. Oh, but my soul. Oh, my soul. You don't have a soul, you are a soul. Your soul is who you are. It's your personality. It's your mind, will, and emotions. It's what lasts beyond you. It's what actually goes to be with the Father. It's you. You and I, we go to be with the Father. We, us, our souls, our flesh. Eh, no, it stays here. It becomes grass food. It becomes wherever it is, right? Worm food. It becomes irrelevant. But our souls... Our souls live forever. Our souls go for eternity. If you don't know Jesus Christ and your Lord and Savior, if your soul is not secure in its eternity, if you question where you're going, if you're unsure of where you're going, maybe you've walked away, maybe you're far from Him, maybe you've denied Him, I don't know, whatever it is, then I want to give you that opportunity where you make it right with Him, where you get right with Him, where you honor Him, And I'll be down the front and I'll say hello to you and I'll introduce you to Jesus, my mate. And we'll begin the process. But I know that God has better and 
much bigger things for us. I do, I do. And there are a lot of things that I don't understand in my life. There are so many things that just don't make sense, right? Why my right arm? Couldn't you not have done my left arm? Right? If you didn't know, if you don't understand that, I'm, well, I right, was right hand dominant. Actually, I would rather give up a leg than my right arm. But anyway, that's a whole other story. I don't get things. I don't understand things. Right? There are some things that are just beyond me. Some things, I just got to walk in faith. I just got to believe and hope and say, you're God, I'm not. But I know He has good things for you. I know He has good, good things for you. And we just got to hold on to that concept and just believe beyond belief. And say, I believe. It doesn't make sense. This is hurting me. I'm in pain. I'm upset. This is not fair. But you're God and you have better things for me. And you are preparing me for those better things. We're going to play... We're going to pray and then we close the meeting. There's morning tea, there's tea and coffee across the road. Not across the road, across the walkway. If you want prayer, I'll be down the front. I can pray with you, stand with you. But whatever you're going through, whatever it is, if you give it to God, if you invite the Holy Spirit into you, into that situation, invite God to have His way, He will bring it about for His glory. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that you are bigger than every obstacle, every affliction, every adversity, every trial, every temptation that we can go through. And Father, I thank you that you are bigger, that you have a purpose in it. Father, I thank you that you love us and that you have grace for us. Father, we speak your mighty hand upon each one of your people that we would understand, have a greater position of understanding that you are for us and that you are not against us. Father, I speak your mighty hand, your blessings and your favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.